Well, let's uh, let's talk about that for a moment, right? I mean, uh, we just made the announcement moments ago, eight hundred twenty-five thousand, right? For for you guys, right? And then and the great work that you're doing. So I want to take a moment and thank you. And you know, I'm sure your listeners, of course, are, are appreciative of everything that you guys are doing. Is there anyone out there? From darkness to life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Good day and welcome to another episode of From Darkness to Life and Our Collective Journey podcast here at the Plugged In Media Studio. Uh, Today we have a very special guest, the Honorable Associate Minister of Mental Health and Addiction for the province of Alberta, Mike Ellis. Welcome. Thanks for having us. And our local MLA, Michaela Fry. Thanks for having me. And my goofy buddy, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Rick. I thought you were going to forget about me sitting over here. Well, today I might. (laughs) (laughs) I can can handle that. Yeah, so um, it's an honor to have you here. Um, Really appreciate the support that you've thrown behind uh, our organization and what we're trying to do here and uh, try to promote the recovery-oriented system of care in the province and... uh, and the recovery coach program that we're trying to introduce our region to. Um, Mike's yours though. What, what, are, what yeah. would you like to talk about? Well, today, let's, sir? Uh, let's talk about that for a moment. Right. I mean, uh, we just made the announcement moments ago, 825,000, right. Wow. For, for you guys. Right. And then in the great work that you're doing. So I want to take a moment and thank you. And, you know, I'm sure your listeners of course are, are appreciative of everything that you guys are doing. I mean, one of the things I wanted to say at the media availability was really your guys' the name. When you really think about it, our collective journey, because it really is a journey, mm-hmm. right? You guys have been on that journey, and many uh, other people who are facing the illness of addiction uh, are on this journey as well. And um, everyone's unique too, right? And that's that's you know that's been that's been kind of the 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 challenges that we're facing right now. You have. Some people that you're saying, well, only this is the solution or only that is the solution. And, you know, as you guys heard me say, there there is no one single solution to this. It's a very complex problem. It's and and, you know, to top it off, everybody has their own unique journey, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to get them the, the help that they need. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're excited about all the the stuff that we're doing. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should undersell this. You know, you mentioned recovery oriented system of care. I mean. Uh, like to put this in perspective, there's, there's a lot of great work being done by great people, but there was no real system in mm-hmm. place. And, and, you know, system change is, is very complex. It's not very sexy. It's always tough to explain, but you know, it's that transform transformational change, which is going to uh, open up all of these resources for all the people that are facing the challenges of, of, of addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if Michaela wants to supplement, or otherwise I can keep going, but it's a politician in both of us, right? Give one the mic, we're going to keep talking. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, Rick, Ryan, you really did yourselves dirty here by putting two politicians on the mic at the same time. That's this right could go okay. on for three hours. Okay. But, <laughs> but um, I know for me, like this 
this is transformational for our community. I've, I've seen over the past 18 months and two years throughout the pandemic and even prior to that, um, just how many people do suffer from addiction and mental health issues. And there really is no place for them to go. We see people suffering in silence, people dying in their homes, um, people who you never expect um, coming up to you and saying, you know, look, I have a problem and I need help. And I think the problem is for a lot of people is they get past the point of help before they know that there's a service available. So I'm just so mm-hmm. excited that we are providing $825,000 to both of you to be able to continue the work that you've been doing mostly, for, I guess, just on your own. And I think it just speaks to the the power of grassroots organizations and the power of community um, that this initiative could come from two people who just had good hearts and wanted to help people. So uh, mm-hmm. honestly, I'm just humbled that I get to be with you guys today. So thank oh, wow. you. Thank you. Thanks, Michaela. <laughs> Yeah, and we can't express our gratitude enough, right? We sat uh, two, just about two years, a year and a half ago at a coffee table having coffee, thinking what else can we do because the individuals that were you know, taking their lives by suicide and, and struggling that we knew with addictions in this community weren't part of that 30%. And I had the experience over the last five years working in that 30% population and acute crisis all the time, right? Where the light bulbs of recovery aren't turning on. And Rick and I both came from that in our addiction, right? We had everything lined up. We had a big fancy picture painted in the front, but behind it, we were that 70% at home, stigmatized, didn't want to reach out. We were fearful of what was going to happen. And we thought, what's the next piece to this? Like, we need to get out and tell our stories and not Mm -hmm. just tell them. How can we use them to help somebody who's sitting in our shoes right now in their house struggling and knowing that the darkness is coming, but don't know how to get out of it? And I think you touched on something really important there. Like it it came from you as people who have gone through this, who have seen the problems in the system. It didn't come from politicians. And I think that so often governments come in and say, we know the solution. We're Mm going to send you here, here and here, and you're going to get better and it's going to work. But that's not reality. And I think that if we don't respond to the reality of the situations that we're facing, which is that 70% of people who suffer from addiction are doing so in silence alone behind closed doors. They're not the people that you see as the face of addiction. We need to change the face of mental health and destigmatize addiction Mm -hmm. so that we can get people the health the help that they deserve yeah well and and i'm not going to lie about it when when i was first introduced like we started having conversations with the province and it was shocking that they even wanted to hear what we were doing to to start it but um i remember the day one of the ministers or somebody from the minister's office phoned you and i said you're getting pranked there's no way they phoned you (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh i I remember the initial conversations and them kind of going well what are you guys doing? And then we tried to explain what we were trying to do. And uh, the gentleman that we were speaking with, uh, one of your associates Mm -hmm. is like, Oh, you guys are like recovery coaches. And as soon as he said that, like all the hair on my neck stood up and I was like, I don't quite know what that is, but that's certainly (laughs) not what we are. Right. (laughs) And, uh, and and it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty critical of government policy and, um, and, and as I learned what a recovery coach was, Mm -hmm. I was really, really happy to find out that that is what we were doing because yeah. we based off, we, we kind of came up with our process and, and our program based on what didn't work for us, what didn't work for us, what didn't work for the people that we know and what did work. And we just kind of navigated that system and went, okay, well, we know from our firsthand experience, what helps successful recovery and what, what is, is detrimental to it. And we developed this whole program based on that. And so we thought we created something unique and, and, <laughs> You know, well, like, like an addict, right? I'm special. I'm unique. We did mm-hmm. it. We did it our way. And, uh, then to find out that, no, this is in fact the system that you guys are trying to roll out. I was yeah. like, 
oh, wait a minute, these guys got it right. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as I'd like to be critical of government sometimes, <laughs> I can't because like, yeah. I feel that you genuinely got it right. Well, I, awesome. I, thank you. And, and, you know, I think the uniqueness of, uh, the ministry itself is, is the, the people that are, are working there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, myself, um, as many of you know, um, you know, I spent over 12 years working in the Calgary police service, 10 years, uh, on the street downtown, working with people who are vulnerable, mental health, severe mental health and addiction problems. The uniqueness about our office isn't just that. It's the fact that everyone in my office is an addict. And, and you know, you know, we have two that not only um, are addicts, but lived on the street five years. Mm-hmm. One, in, one in Vancouver, one in Montreal. Uh, to bring that perspective for, for anybody, you know, whether it be uh, advocacy groups, um, you know, those in the, the academia to sit there and say, well, you guys don't understand. Mm-hmm. Actually, we do understand. And we sure. probably understand better than, than I would say, not only any ministry, but probably any section of any government uh, that I'm aware of, quite frankly. Um, but, you know, I want to I add a couple of things because you, you guys talked about the great stuff you're doing, but I want to make sure that your listeners are aware of all the great stuff mm-hmm. that, that were part of the other announcements we made today, which mm-hmm. is the, the DOORS program as an example. So, and uh, the VODP, and I'm happy to, to get into that, but the, the digital um, overdose response system. So, um, to quite simply, and this is just for the, the cop in me, the, I would say the dumb cop in me to understand, but really... It, it, it's an app that you get on your phone. So um, as you guys have always told me, and we talked about the numbers there, and just for your listeners, are where 70% of the people that actually um, overdose are people that do it uh, not in the visible downtown area, but actually do it in their homes, and they do it alone. So having the accessibility of that, of that app allows them to really set a timer. And setting that timer um, will uh, allow them if they're choosing to consume that narcotic, whatever it is, but if they do not respond to that timer within about 30 seconds, then uh, there's a phone call. And if they don't answer the phone, then guess what? EMS is dispatched to their house in order to save their lives. That's game changing, right? Because we, as I indicated, 70% of the people are overdosing at home and overdosing alone. In fact, the numbers that were pointed out to me specifically in the Medicine Hat region is that the deaths as a result of uh, opioids uh, were not downtown. They were actually in people's residence. And I think people need to really understand that. And the other thing I want to talk about a bit is what is known as the um, Virtual Opioid Dependency Program. So um, uh, I think people need to understand that what this is, In it's led by Dr. Nathaniel Day. Um, this program is award-winning. Um, they They are... Uh, basically, it's treatment on demand. So, for your for your for your listeners, so if you have a a family member, if you have um, uh, you yourself uh, happens to be an addict, as an example, or a family member wants to help somebody, there's a one eight hundred number. And sorry, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I know it's at the news conference. I'm sure you'll let your listeners mm-hmm. know uh, what that number is. But they can they can contact this one eight hundred number, and you will you will be connected to a physician that will give you evidence-based medication, right? So that's methadone, that's uh, uh, sublocade, right? That's uh, uh, suboxone, right? And let's talk about sublocade for a second, right? Another game changer here mm-hmm. in this province, right? Sublocade is uh, an injectable that goes in kind of the, the lower part of your, your abdomen, and it, it provides a 30-day a, a 
we'll call it suppressant, right? For, for your, um, you know, for the craving that you have so that you have that 30 days and you guys know this better than anybody as addicts, right? To sit there and say, okay, I can relax for a second. And you know what? And that's where you guys as recovery coaches and our collective journey and everybody comes in and says, Hey, how can I help you? How can I get you the help you need? help navigate you through all these great resources. So, you know, we're proud to, to make this, uh, you know, we did some pilot projects in, in certain areas at Edmonton, Calgary as an example, and this is now going to be made available in uh, Southern uh, Alberta. Um, yeah, I'm on my way just right after this, on my way to Lethbridge to make a similar announcement. So uh, I'm very excited for the work that we're, we're doing right here. This is system changing as, as my good friend, Michaela uh, Fry said, um, you know, this is, this is a transformational, and, and something that, uh, you know, we need to understand is going to have a positive impact on the entire community. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I really want to touch on too is, is I know I've, I've even just in, in media and social media and, and even verbally heard critics, uh, kind of go after the, the existing government about, um, providing safe supply, mm-hmm. um, not just safe supply, but the uh, in safe injection sites, um, and, to me, this is far more, especially the Doors app I'm speaking specifically to, is is amazing because, you know, there's so many people that I know that, well, the statistics speak for themselves, right? That th- These aren't people that would be seeking out typically a, s- a safe injection site. These are people that are using in their own home. And so you've basically given them the ability to provide them a safe injection site in the comfort of their own home with complete anonymity, which can only save lives. Yeah. And then this, the second part, um, the new medication that you guys are putting out that, that is game changing to me. Cause I've seen such an increase in mm-hmm. the street value and the street use of mm-hmm. some of the, like just the, the illicit trade of, mm-hmm. of Suboxone mm-hmm. and some of the, um, hydromorph. methadone hydromorph. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fact that it's un you, you can't do that with this application and it does sustain for 30 days and it does give an individual suffering that window of time that they can start seeking out help. Absolutely. And they're not tied to a clinic every day, right? They're not facing that barrier every day of how do I get transportation down to a clinic every day where people are going to see me standing in line and Mm -hmm. stigmatize me even further. So that's amazing. Well, I actually sit on the special select committee for to examine safe supply. And and part of our our whole mandate is to examine the use of of so-called safe supply. And I say so-called because what we've come to know and what is very clear is that when you're when you're looking at the data, when we're looking at the facts of the matter, is that there is very little to zero high quality medical evidence that actually supports the use of safe supply. And when we say safe supply, we're not saying things like opioid agonist therapies that are uh, that are um, provided by VODP. We're not saying things like methadone. We're not talking about eliminating harm reduction through um, uh, things like having safe injection sites near of communities that are affected to to attach to those people who are more destitute and need that service. What we're talking about is not providing or the government acting as a dealer to then have more illicit drugs on the streets. Like hydromorph is still dangerous. It's still not, it's not perfect. And what's happening is that we, and we saw this from uh, Michael Schellenberger who wrote a book called San Francisco. It's, it's very interesting when you read it and, and his testimony is particularly compelling, but um, we had physicians and uh, investigative journalists, uh, PhDs coming on to tell us about um, their experiences. And a lot of these people actually practice and live and work in places where safe supply is used. And what you see is you see people coming in 
for their 30-day supply of Hydromorph, then turning around onto the street, selling it, and then that goes somewhere else, but they're still taking the drug of choice that is going to get them the most high in the first place. And I, I don't profess to be an expert. I'm a politician. I'm not a physician. I'm not an expert in anything, really. <laughs> master Jack of all trades, master of none of what some people say. But um, I think at the end of the day, what we do need to be doing is listening to the people who have the on-the-ground experience, listening to the experts. And if you are truly listening to the experts and and looking at what the evidence is telling you, safe supply is not the one is not the solution that some advocates would have you believe. I want to supplement that, and Michaela, that was that was wonderful, and I'm really proud to have Michaela on this uh, committee. I, I knew, uh, I just knew she'd be awesome for it. But I created this select special committee on safe supply because um, obviously the the advocates were saying to me very loudly that safe supply, that's it, that's what's going to save lives. If we only have safe supply, if only we had. Uh, you know, open use and you can consume whatever and wherever. And if the government was able to provide these drugs for you, then everything would be good. I said, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, mm -hmm. let's hold a committee, a non-partisan committee. Show me the evidence. Show me the evidence. I, I think, I think any one of your listeners would be reasonable and say, yeah, okay, it makes sense. Show me the evidence. And, um, we gave the the opposition uh, uh, every opportunity to to uh, bring in experts uh, that that they had because that is the policy that is the opposition the NDP in Alberta the NDP in Canada is their policy of uh, safe supply uh, supervised consumption sites as well as drug testing those are those are their three things right so I said show me the evidence. And uh, they saw the list of evidence, uh, or sorry, list of experts that the uh, um, that the uh, government members, which would be Michaela, over twenty actually, yeah, <laughs> but that Michaela brought in, um, in in people with impeccable credentials. Right? Let me just give you an example. Dr. Keith Humphreys, Dr. Keith Humphreys uh, from Stanford University. I mean, he led the Stanford Lancet Commission on the North American Opioid Crisis. Um, uh, Dr. Kevin Sabat from Yale University, uh, uh, Dr. Bertha Madres uh, from Harvard Medical School. Some of these have provided strategic guidance on the opioid uh, epidemic, uh, not just through North America, but to presidents, um, Bush, Obama, right? Uh, many of these folks uh, who took oaths uh, to do no harm, um, quite frankly, don't know anything about the United Conservative Party, do not know anything about really uh, our government, but understand that the, the, uh, the advocacy that people have for safe supply, uh, there is no evidence to show this. So they testified and great questions uh, asked by Michaela and, and others on that committee. Um, I'm looking forward to the final result that the committee is going to provide me. But if you or your viewers have an opportunity uh, to go and, and, and watch some of the, this testimony, see for yourselves. You'll see some people with impeccable credentials that are giving real hand experience. And especially those, and, and Michaela mentioned this as well, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, especially those uh, folks in, um, 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 sorry, uh, in, in, in uh, Ontario as well. Right? They, these are people that are on the ground in BC. These are people on the, the ground. But, you know, I think it's important that as well that we need to be clear as to what safe supply is. You know, it's, it's a taxpayer-funded supply of hard drugs for addicts, right? Whereas the evidence-based medication that Michaela was mentioning earlier, that's something that is, you know, 
preventing that craving for somebody to get high. But what people are advocating for is are drugs uh, that are paid for by the tax player. Uh, this is this is not a, a you know a medical term. It's a marketing term, and we can go back to the oxycontin crisis that we had, you know, twenty years ago, right? I mean, me as a cop when I was working the streets. I mean, I saw good people who. Who, quite frankly, uh, I don't think they committed crimes before, but the prescriptions were handed out, and I saw them committing armed robberies in 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 pharmacies. And I remember saying to myself, "What is going on here?" Right. So um, we have to be very clear that this is not evidence based medication. And you know, through Michaela's investigation uh, through this committee, uh, nobody at this time has been able to provide any evidence that safe supply has been effective in any jurisdiction. And let's be clear. It has been used in jurisdictions. For Vancouver, sure. it's used. Uh, many of the Western uh, states, safe supply is there. It's available. And in fact, and, and Michaela mentioned this about Michael Schellenberger. In fact, in, the, in many of those states, in San Francisco included, things have gotten worse. Crime has gotten worse. Poverty has gotten worse. Uh, civil disorder has gotten worse. So, um, yeah, I'll just take a moment to thank Michaela for the work she did. Absolutely. That's pretty impressive. The, yeah, the one thing that I I take away from a lot of a lot of it is um, like we have the we have the opportunity to speak at the Recovery Capital Summit here coming up in a in a month or so and and uh, I guess thanks for taking a chance on us as well um, just for as sure. some just as some guys with some experience right and uh, what it comes down to for me though is if I was you know a good hypothetical if I was going to Italy for a sightseeing tour do I want somebody that's lived in Italy for twenty years or do I want somebody who's studied every book on Italy and read every book and seen every picture. Hands down, every time I'm going with the guy who's been there his whole life and knows his way around, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to what we're trying to do here um, and what the recovery coach program that you guys are supporting is and what uh, our collective journey with the support of the with the support of the UPC government and the funding that you guys provided to us today, we'll be able to do that for some time to come. So thank you very much for providing us the opportunity to be of greater service to our community. Absolutely. Thank cool. you. And thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Thank I know you got places to be, but this is very important. And I hope our listeners took something away from this and we can't be uh, any more grateful than we are. Well, thank you, you very support. much. Very happy to be here. Thank you guys. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.